But we're in a series called The Key to a Happy Life. Our key verse for this series is Proverbs 3:13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Wisdom's not very popular in our culture today, but it sure is popular in the Word of God. And this morning, I just want to preface the message with this. I'm not trying to be the pep talk man today. Um, Actually, not ever. But I'm just telling you, that so often is not really what we need. We don't just need a pep talk. We need to know the truths of God's Word that will help us live in victory, help us walk in all that God has for us and fulfill His purpose in our lives. And some of the scriptures that I'm going to share this morning, I tell you, they just go against the grain of the attitudes of culture and what maybe we've thought or been taught, but it is the truth of God's Word. And I believe that these truths this morning, there's going to be a lot of scripture. Because who cares about my opinion? You know what I'm saying? God's opinion is what matters. So there's going to be a lot of scripture this morning as I want you to see how powerful this is and how much this is in the Word of God. All right. When we're wise and we make wise choices, we find ourselves in a happy place in life. All of us are going to go through troubles and heartaches and even tragedies, but when we're foolish, we just bring a whole lot more of it on ourselves. Today, we're going to focus on one of the most important areas that we need God's wisdom, our words, the words of our mouth. The book of Proverbs declares itself to be a book written to impart wisdom. And the book of Proverbs talks about our words, our tongues, the things that we say over and over and over. You will find dozens upon dozens of scriptures that address the words of our mouth. If we're going to be wise, we have to watch the words of our mouth. You know, we live in a time when people seem to think that they could just say whatever they want and there won't be any consequences. It's so foolish. I mentioned this many times that we bring harm on ourselves by the things that we, the choices that we have made. But Proverbs 18 and 7 says, A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. A fool's mouth will bring destruction. It's going to cause problems in his life. A lot of times people don't realize the reason they're having so much trouble. It is because of the words of their mouth. But it's not just even on the outside. You see here that he says his lips are a snare of his soul. People get messed up inside. Their thinking is messed up. I always say, you show me a messed up life, I'll show you some messed up thinking. But their thinking, their emotions, the the way they make decisions, it's all messed up. Why? Because he's used the wrong words. His lips are a snare of his soul. We just get ourselves in all kinds of trouble with the words of our mouth and you know, this is something that all of us have to deal with. All of us need to hear this morning because, well, have you ever wished you didn't say something? Oh yeah, every one of us. This is one of those areas where we all struggle. In fact, James 3, 2 says we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man. See, we've all had times where we said things we wish we hadn't. This is one of the most difficult areas of life to regret-proof. 
you know, regret-proof, where you don't look back with regrets. This is one of those areas that it's really difficult, but we just have to learn to take heed to God's Word. And I'll tell you, we can, we can overcome, we can get better in this area. A lot of things are open by mistake, they say, but none so often as the mouth. Yep, that's true. Well, one young guy working in the produce department in the grocery store, He's standing there doing his thing, you know, and the lady comes up and she says, Sir, I want to buy a half a head of lettuce. I don't need a whole one. I just want a half. And this is a real good customer, and the guy knows that, but, but he's like, Ma'am, we, we don't sell a half a head. you got to buy the whole head. She said, No, I don't need a whole head. I just need a half. He said, Well, I can ask the manager if you want me to. She said, Yeah. So he walks up to the front of the store, finds the manager, and he says, Sir, there's some crazy lady back there that's wanting to buy half a head of lettuce. Well, the manager's motioning to the guy, gesturing to him, you know, and he realizes that the lady has followed him to the front of the store. And so he, he turns around and he says, and this nice lady wants to buy the other half. <laughs> the manager, you know, later he finds the kid and he says, wow, that was some quick thinking. Where did you learn to, you know, think on your feet like that? And he says, well, I'm from Grand, Grand Rapids, and Grand Rapids is known for two things, great hockey teams and ugly women. Well, the manager turns red in the face, and he, get, he gets, you know, kind of angry. He says, my wife is from Grand Rapids. The kid says, what hockey team did she play for? Now, see, I don't really know how that helps. You know what I'm saying? But... Here's the thing. See, a lot of times our words get us in trouble, and we keep talking, and they just dig us in deeper. Anybody else? Yeah. It happens. Part of the problem with being foolish in our speech, I'm telling you that it comes from this attitude that's so prevalent in the world that it's just words. It's no big deal. It doesn't really matter. So the first thing we need to do this morning is get a biblical perspective on the power of words. The wise know that words have power. The foolish think that words don't really matter. Words are so powerful that many times they can even bring an an immediate reaction. I mean, only a fool will go to the airport and say, I have a bomb. You in a world of hurt. Only a fool will tell his wife, well, you know, you're getting fat. <laughs> Only a fool will tell their parents, it's none of your business. Ooh. <laughs> Pastor meddling this morning. I'm just telling you, a lot of the times, our words can bring an immediate response and reaction that we're not going to like. But most of the time, Our words are like seeds that are sown, and we don't see the harvest come back until later. And so we don't realize how important it is. But Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Sooner or later, we're going to eat the harvest of our words, whether they bring life or they bring death death, destruction, trouble into our life. Life or death, wow, that's real power. But that's the kind of power that words have. There's a lot of miserable people that are eating the fruit of their words. 
They don't even realize it sometimes. They're foolish. They don't even understand that they have put themselves where they are in life to a great degree by the words of their mouth. You know, last week I talked about how little decisions can sometimes have big consequences. They, you know, this is, they think it's no big deal. It's just a little thing. And they think that about words. It's no big deal. It's just a little thing that I said. But it can have great consequences in your life. It can actually change the course of your life. Two little words. I want to tell you, will absolutely change your life. Many of you have said them. I do. Your life will never be the same, for better or worse, right? It will never be the same. Those two little words, such powerful words. I do. You see, we need to realize that words can be very powerful. James chapter 3, beginning from verse 2, we read it once, but he says, We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, a able also to bridle the whole body. Verse 3, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. 4, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned about are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. He gives us two examples of how our words can turn the course of our life. That's how powerful your words are. He says, just like the rudder of a ship turns a big ship, your tongue, your words are going to turn the course of your life. Let me give you another example that every believer should be familiar with. You believe in the heart and you confess with your mouth and you will be saved. There's a life change. Amen. Amen. You see, your words can have such power for good or bad. That's power. You see, your words... They can determine whether your marriage is happy or miserable. Nothing can mess a marriage up faster than the wrong words. Your words can make or break your career. Your words can get you fired real fast. The wrong words will steer your life to the wrong place. I want to tell you, you can also steer your life to a better place with the right words. Your words can get you in a fight. Anybody ever got in a fight over words? Your words can get you divorced. Your words can alienate others from you until you are left all alone and miserable. That's the power of words. That power can also be used to get you a raise, to restore a relationship, and to minister to other people. That's power. That's how powerful our words are. But much of where we are in life, you know, last week I said is a result of our decisions. Well, one of the decisions that we make, whether accidentally or intentionally, is our choice of words and the way we say things, and the things that we say, much of where we are in life has to do with the words of our past. Where are you steering your life? You know, in the Metroplex, you get to see lots of bad drivers, 
right? But I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people that are steering their life the wrong direction by the words of their mouth. The wise use their words to encourage and build up. The foolish use their words to tear down and to speak against others. You see, words can bring hurt or they can bring healing. Hebrews 3.13 tells us, encourage one another daily. Have you ever had somebody that just encouraged you and it just gave you a little bit of a boost, a little extra strength to keep going in the struggle that you were in? What a difference it can make when somebody encourages you. And the Bible says that we are to encourage one another daily. We're to use our words that way. Every day, we're encouraging others. Brother Harold Nichols, who pastored this church for 50 years, such a great pastor, and after he retired, he was still part of the church and was a constant support and encouragement to me. But uh, so often, he would catch me for just a moment, and he would shake my hand. And those of you that knew him well, you know he had a special handshake. I think it might have been kind of left over from his carpenter days because it was like he was sawing. He'd grab your hand, and he would say, he would say you're my pastor. He'd look, look me right in the eye, and he'd say, you're my pastor, and you're doing a good job. And I want you to know that that makes you feel different. That gives you a boost. That gives you some strength, especially when it came from somebody like him. But then there were also some times he'd fold up a $100 bill in his hand when he went to shake my hand, and he'd say, you're my pastor. You're doing a good job. And I want you to know that's some real encouragement right there. <laughs> right? But here's, here's the truth, though. Here's the truth. If you gave me a choice between the $100 bill and his encouragement, I'd take the, the encouragement every single time. <laughs> I got it out right. I take the encouragement every single time. Absolutely. Because I want to tell you something about words. See, a $100 bill you spend it, it's gone. But a lot of times words stick with you. For good or bad. Words stick with you. You need to remember that when you're encouraging people, when you're trying to help people. See, are you lifting up? Are you, you helping those that are cast down? I'm not talking about just empty flattery, but I'm talking about building them up, speaking something into their life to help them. You know, the world has promoted this idea that words don't hurt. And I realize in the last generation that's changed somewhat, and yet there still lingers on that old thing about, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me. That is one of the biggest lies ever told. Because everybody knows that words hurt. Words not just, they don't just hurt the outside, but they can wound in the spirit. Proverbs 15 and 4 says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You see, we can either bring healing to people when we're being led of the Holy Spirit, or we can hurt them in their spirit by the wrong words. we got to be careful about how we use our words. You know, one of the greatest effects of our words is on, on those who we're closest to. I mean, when you're close to someone, those words just can mean more. They can hurt worse. And it seems like a lot of the time that's where we tend to be the most careless with our words because of familiarity. But 
In fact, we need to be the most careful when we're around our loved ones that we say things that will help them, encourage them, and not hurt them. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless words pierce like a sword. See, it it doesn't have to be intentional, just reckless. Didn't mean it. Didn't mean it that way. Pierces like a sword. I don't know about you, but it is impossible, impossible for me to even begin to t- count how often, how many times I have to apologize for something that I said. And sometimes when we don't know the wise thing to say, we just need to be quiet. I, many times in the past, I joke around with people and you know, all that's fine and, and good. In fact, it, it can be a good thing. It puts people at ease. It's, you know, kind of way you kind of make friends and get to know people some. And some of that has its place. But a lot of the time, somebody ends up getting hurt when we're joking around. You know, it's at somebody else's expense. And we have to be careful about that, that we don't hurt somebody unintentionally. But most of us have some times where we know that we said the wrong things, that we were reckless with our words, but... Most of us have also experienced pain because of somebody else's reckless words. In fact, I can tell you things that were said to me that hurt me 40 years ago. Now, please understand, I've long since forgiven it, long, long, long time ago. I'm over it. But I can still recall it. It's still a part of my memories. And I'm just telling you that when we say hurtful things to people, it'll be with them for a long time sometimes. And so we don't want to say those reckless words that pierce their soul. I remember one time that I certainly blew it and spoke some reckless words 30 years ago. I guess it's about 35 years ago now. I was on the phone with a teenager in my youth group, and this young man, he, you know, he just had everything going for him. He was smart. He was good-looking. He was very talented. And he was telling me how that his singing group that he was in did a concert at his school. And he said, and all the girls were down at the front of the stage reaching up their hands trying to touch us, telling me how awesome it was. Just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was young and dumb. Reckless. And so I said to him, I said, you know, you serve the devil, you can have that all your life. We got off the phone a couple of minutes later, his mama called me. Mama Bear was mad. She said, what did you say? And I told her, and I just want to tell you that those reckless words brought me some trouble. I got to thinking about it later, and I realized, you know what I should have said to this young man? He's struggling, you know, he's not in a good place, and he's got his eyes on the wrong thing. What I should have said to this young man is, wow, can you imagine what God can use your gifts to do if you just let God lead you, let God have his way in your life? You know, I should have encouraged him to turn that over to the Lord and be used of God. But instead, I spoke these reckless words that hurt him and pushed him away. And I just got to tell you, you see, we all just need to be wise and careful about the words that we use. Sometimes we think we're real self-righteous, you know, I'm right and they're wrong and blah, blah. No. 
We need to be careful that we don't speak those reckless words. Remember this, the words of the wise encourage and build up. The foolish use their words to tear down and speak against others. And in this day and time that we live in, it has to be said that it's not just the words of our mouth, but it is the things that we text or type, whether it's in email or on social media. Those words are still just as powerful. They may not be coming out of our mouth, but we're, this is one of the main ways that we communicate now. And so those words have power. And we are going to eat the fruit of those words. We are going to be responsible and held accountable. I'm not talking about to man. Sometimes you are. But we all will be held accountable to God for the things that we said. Whether it's with our mouth or we typed it on the computer or we texted it with our phone. We need to realize that those words really do matter. That there's power in those words. I knew someone who was a manager in a business, and they had great people skills. They were very gracious in dealing with people and in difficult situations. They just had this empathy, this way about them, where even when there was a conflict to resolve or something, they, they didn't hurt people, you know. They could work through it with those people without offending or hurting people. But, you know, with technology, modern technology becoming the, the new way, they got to where they were, started emailing employees to uh, correct them. And the tone of these emails was a 180 from the tone that they used in their personal conversations. In fact, they, the, the tone of these emails came across as harsh and offensive. And it started causing all kinds of problems in the workplace. And you see, I think there's something to that, that a lot of times people feel, you know, disconnected a little bit. They say things in email or text that they would never say to that person's face, but they'll type it on the computer and post it on social media. We need to realize that those words matter. They're just as much something that you have to be responsible for. Oh my. Can't tell you how many times I've typed out something and I'm thinking, I'm right. Boy, is this going to fix their wagon? And I have to hit delete because it's not the wise thing to do. And there's also been some times where I wasn't as sensitive to the Holy Spirit as I should have been. And I went ahead, went ahead and hit send. And later I was apologizing for it. And let me tell you something strange about that. I was right then too. But I was wrong to say it. And it didn't help. Instead it hurt. And you see, we just have to learn to use our words wisely. Words can cause such great hurt, but they can also heal. Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. See, that's what we want to do. We want to speak pleasant words, kind words, comforting words, encouraging words, faith-filled words. That's the way we should be speaking. See, we always talk about how we're different from the world. Here's one of the ways that we should be really obviously different from the world, the way that we talk. Not just because we don't take the Lord's name in vain, although that would be a start for some Christians. 
Not just because we don't use profanity, although that would be a start for a whole lot of Christians, but that we don't criticize and attack people and speak all kinds of garbage about people. We're different. Everybody else is trashing them out. We do not participate. We walk away. Or maybe we even tell them to stop. But I'm just telling you that we ought to be different in this regard. Proverbs 12.25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. You see somebody that's down? Maybe they're all grumpy. Somebody's struggling. Speak a kind word to them. Realize you have the power to turn their, fo- their focus from the negatives to something positive. See, your words can be so powerful to build up. Use them to build up, not tear down. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now, he, he says nothing corrupt, but only what is good for building up, edification. But notice this, he says, that it may impart grace to the hearers. You see, our words shouldn't just be for our benefit. That's selfish. Our words are being spoken for other people, for their benefit, to build them up. We don't say anything negative because we want to minister grace to those who are hearing our words. This is the way it's supposed to be. I think one thing you can just plug in here very easily, we just need to live by the golden rule. Jesus said you treat others the way that you want to be treated. So if you were them, what would you want said to to you if you were them? You see, we... So often, if we'll just slow down and think about it, we'll find the wisdom to say the right thing instead of the wrong thing. Words can encourage and build the faith of others, or we can tear down their faith. I want to give you an example of that from the Scripture, one that's so obvious. When the children of Israel got to the Promised Land the first time and they're ready to go in, Moses sends in the 12 spies and Only Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. The other ten came back with a bad report. God had promised this land to this people for literally hundreds of years. And now the time has come for them to go in and take possession of what God has promised them. But in fear, they refused to go in because of the bad report of those ten spies. Two million people missed the promised land because they listened to that negative report. Now, you know, there's another side to this. Don't listen to the negative report. But realize that your words can cause somebody else to miss what God might have had for them. Now, it's up to them whether or not they believe anyway. But I'm just telling you, you don't want to be a part of that, of steering people away. No, we want to encourage people. We want to build their faith. We want to help them believe the promises of God. The wise know their words have power. The wise use their words to encourage and build up. The foolish use their words to tear down and speak against others. I'm spending a lot of time on this point because it's something that we deal with every day and it is a huge problem, something that has to be addressed. But one of the worst ways that we can use our words, do damage to ourselves and to others, is by talking bad about other people. 
When we do that, we're tearing down the person we're talking about. We're also tearing down the person we're telling it to. And we're also tearing ourselves down. James 4.11 says, Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. James, of course, is talking about the perfect law of liberty. He's not talking about the Levitical law. He's talking about the perfect law of liberty. He's talking about the law of love. And I want to tell you, when we're sitting, judging other people, being critical of other people, we are trying to assume God's place. He's the judge. Not us. That's not our place. Though our place is not to speak evil of somebody else. Our place is to build others up. That's what the Bible says. Our place is to encourage others. Nowhere does it tell us we're to tear people down. Nowhere. Nowhere does it tell us to criticize and attack people, talk bad about them. In fact, over and over and over, and especially in the book of Proverbs, it tells us that that is a sin to slander, to gossip. Don't speak evil one of another. See, if you can't say something nice, what do you do? Don't say anything at all. So many people today quote or repost negative things about others. Now, first of all, I just want to tell you, this is my opinion. I don't have a scripture. But what you read on social media, there's a really, really, really good possibility it ain't even true. And you're some kind of foolish if you just automatically quote and repost because you saw it on Facebook. I was raised in a home, I was raised to think a little bit differently. My dad was an attorney, and, and this is way before the internet, but if somebody in my household, if I was to say, well, you know, they say, my dad would say, who's they? You don't even know the source of this stuff, and you're quoting it like it's God. Here's the problem with that. It doesn't matter if somebody else said it. I just repeated it. You are going to be held accountable for what you repeat and what you repost. You don't get a free pass because, well, they said it first. No, you are just as guilty for spreading gossip and slander about other people. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. See, here's the problem. There's something in that old sinful nature that enjoys talking about the failures and the weaknesses of others. I think it has something to do with human pride. But for some reason, it's like choice morsels. Here's the problem. They go down to a man's inmost parts. See, when you're speaking gossip or you're receiving it, it's corrupting your own soul. You're putting garbage down into your soul. And it'll mess you up. It'll get you thinking wrong. It'll get you all stirred up emotionally. So I tell you, you, you get involved in that kind of gossip and all this negative thinking and talking. It'll make you bitter and angry. It gets down in your soul. But whether you are speaking gossip or you're the one listening to it, you need to realize it can undermine your faith, skew your perspective on life. You know, the word gossip does not mean false. 
Here's a definition of gossip. Gossip, a person who habitually reveals personal or sensational facts about others. It's not whether or not it's false. So often that's used as an excuse to say something that's hurtful about somebody else. Well, it's true. If you have to follow up what you said with, well, it's true, I can tell you this. Nobody is being edified. Nobody's being encouraged. Nobody's being helped by what you said. That is a lame excuse for saying, well, it's true. I know all kinds of stuff about people that's true. I'm not going to repeat it. Somebody talks to me in confidence, I'm never going to repeat that to somebody just because it's true. Come on. Y'all hear me now. See, you know I'm ta- you know what I'm saying is right. Who wants a friend? Who wants, who wants a, a, a confidence that you don't even know if they'll repeat something or not because it's true? That is the lamest excuse for saying something bad about somebody. But that's not even what the Bible's talking about when it says gossip. It doesn't mean it's false. In fact, the actual thing you say, gossip. Here's the definition. Rumor or report of an intimate nature. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. I'm telling you, we ought to despise gossip. We ought to hate it. Number one, because God does. And he says not to do it. Number two, because it causes so much harm in the body of Christ. Proverbs 26 and 20, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. See, most of the time, even when people have disagreements and stuff, if you keep the gossip out of it, those relationships can be restored. Things can get back to the way they're supposed to be. But if if people are you know, getting up teams and talking about it and talking about it, that, that fire just grows and grows and grows. And you know what? When there's a fire, you, you always can make a choice. You can have either you got a bucket of gas you're going to throw on it, you got a bucket of water you're going to throw on it. Which one are you going to use with your words? Just remember that finding fault, accusing people, that's the work of Satan. Revelation tells us that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Don't do his work. Don't be a tool of the devil. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 lists out six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. That just means he absolutely cannot stand it. Three of the seven have to do with the words of your mouth. Now, in this passage, he does say a lying tongue, a false witness, and one who sows discord among the brethren. God can't stand that. We want to be peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. We're peacemakers. We don't sow discord. I want you to know the Lord really doesn't like it when we use our words the wrong way. The wise are slow to speak. The foolish are quick to say something. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now listen, we've been talking about being wise and, you know, juxtaposed to the fool. Here he says that the man who's hasty in his words, he's worse off than the fool. And yet, it seems to be so popular to be quick and say something back. The wise are slow to speak. James 1.19 says, 
My beloved brethren, let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Slow to speak. It helps if you're a Texan. <laughs> no, he means that you think before you speak. Don't start talking before you've given the brain a chance to engage. Just wait. Sometimes when I'm talking with someone, and as I listen to what they're saying, and I'm thinking, yeah, when, they, when they stop talking for a minute, I'm going to say this. This is what they need to hear. But then, I just keep listening. And as I continue to listen, all of a sudden I realize, no, that's not what they need to hear at all. And I say something totally different. Don't be quick to speak. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. There's a reason you got two ears, one mouth. But we got to be slow to speak. We need to wait and be careful that we are following the leading of the Lord and not just saying what we think all the time, but instead... We give the Lord opportunity to direct us and help us to say the right thing. If we're going to control our mouths, we've got to control our emotion. I shared with you last week that one of the keys to making wise choices is that we have to put our emotions in perspective. And oh, how true that is when it comes to our words. If we allow our emotion to control our words, we're always going to end up regretting it. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. The world will say, oh, just let it out. Just tell it like it is. You know, how you feel it. Just let it out there. A wise man holds back his feelings. He does not allow himself to get carried away in the emotion of the moment and say something that he's going to regret later. You know, sometimes... Well, I think anger is probably the most difficult emotion to control when it comes to our words. It's one of the most powerful emotions, and it's one that so often people end up saying the wrong thing when they let their anger get the best of them. We read it right there in James 1.19 that we're to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And so... When you're angry, that is especially the time that you need to stop talking and you need to wait until you got that under control. Sometimes I hear people say, you know, I just gave them a piece of my mind. And I'm thinking, well, you better stop that. There won't be anything left. <laughs> now, you notice I said thinking. I don't say that. I've learned a little bit. But most of the time, we need to avoid dealing with a difficult situation until we've calmed down. I mean, you know, sometimes people say count to 10. Uh, that doesn't usually do it for me. You can count to 100. That doesn't usually do it for me. Usually sleeping on it, that'll do it. That'll help me to get past the emotion where I can deal with something properly. But I'm just telling you, you got to get past the emotion so that you don't say things just out of emotion. You know, this happens all the time where somebody gets upset and so they said this to this person, and then this person, that ticks them off, and so they say something back, and this person, and it just keeps going back and forth and escalating until the relationship is destroyed, and they're both so hurt. What if one of them was smart enough to say, hey, I'm going to pray about this. We'll talk later. 
That's wise. You don't get caught up in the, mo- the emotion of the moment and say things that you're going to regret. I've seen my wife live this verse out so many times. Proverbs 15 and 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You see, sometimes somebody can be upset, but you just have a soft answer for them instead of getting caught up in the anger. And it's amazing how that can diffuse a situation. But when you say something angry back, a harsh word, it just stirs it up all the more. When there's a fire, you got a choice. You're going to throw gas on it, you're going to throw water on it. Somebody's going to remember that. Wisdom is to think before you speak. Choose your words wisely. Sometimes wisdom is keeping your mouth shut. Wisdom is filtering your words. Not just profanity, but also negative words, complaining words, words of doubt and unbelief, hurtful words, hateful words, criticism and judgment. Filter all that junk out. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil the heart of the righteous he studies it he thinks about it what's the right thing to say here so how do we filter our words there's a lot of things that maybe would apply but I'm just going to give you three simple things this morning first we filter our words through the word of God Joshua 1 8 He said, don't let this book of the law depart out of your mouth. Now, that doesn't mean that he was supposed to carry the word literally stuck in his mouth. He is saying that you keep your speech, your conversation, your words lined up with the word of God. You don't speak contrary to the word of God. Now, that means you need to know the word. But you know, a whole lot of us know enough of the word that it would really help filter our conversations if we would just apply it to our words, if we would use what we know of the Scripture. So I already talked about one this morning. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. If you were them, would you want that said about you? What's the loving thing to do? What's the loving way to say what you need to say? Second, we filter our words realizing that the Lord Jesus is always with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And man, how we love that when we're going through a difficult time. But we need to realize that he is always there. He is hearing every word that we say, every word that we type. He's the unseen guest at every meal. He rides in the car with you. He hears your phone conversations. He sees what you type on social media. And we ought to always want to please Him. What a great filter. Would this please the Lord? And last, we filter our words through the knowledge, through the knowing that one day we will give an account for our words. Jesus Himself said it. I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus says we're accountable for every careless word. 
The wise know when to stay silent. The fool always says too much. You know, they say some people have the gift of gab. It's not really a gift. Proverbs 10 and 19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. If you are a wise person, there will be lots of times in your life, in fact, it'll happen every single day, there'll be times when you just restrain. You just don't say it. Like right now. It's like crickets in here. Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. You see, if we would just be quiet, you know. Abraham Lincoln said, it's better to let people think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. All right. How important is it that we get control of our tongue? Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Want to get to a happy place? You got to guard your mouth and tongue. You got to be careful about what you say. James 1, 26. Before I read this, let me just ask you. How many of you are into real Right? I mean, come on. Let me, say, let me ask it the other way. How many of you are into phony? Okay. How many of you are into real? There we go. I've got half of you anyway. Some of you ain't into nothing. That's all right. You know what? It, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to my faith, I want to be real. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a phony. I, listen, i got lots of problems, make lots of mistakes. But I want to tell you, I want to be real. And here's, here is a principle that so many believers just miss. They just blow it all together. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. See, they've deceived themselves because they think it doesn't matter what they say. He says, this one's religion is useless. Another translation says, futile, worthless. It doesn't mean anything. It's just phony. You see, our words really do matter. And they matter in the results, the fruit of our life. And they matter to the Lord, what we say. It matters to Him. It's amazing, though. Our chances of blowing it with our words are directly related to the amount of time that we spend with our mouth open. The Quakers had a saying that has a lot of truth. They said, never break the silence unless you can improve on it. So I'm going to give you seven just... Just little examples of situations that maybe you should hold your tongue when you're tempted to say, I told you so. Oh, it's fun to say, but wrong. When you have information that makes someone look bad. When someone is upset about a problem and you've had a similar experience, so you're going to one-up them and shift the focus to you. When you're tempted to judge or criticize someone. When you want to correct someone on a minor point in a story they tell. And that goes for this morning, too, just saying. When someone has not asked for your opinion about their situation, and when you want to tell something about yourself in order to impress someone. If you struggle with talking too much, like I do, let me encourage you to try this. Have some wordless moments every day. Some times where you just decide that you're going to be quiet. 
The wise don't get involved in foolish arguments. And I'm going to wrap up with this one, but the foolish are always quarreling. Proverbs 20 and 3, it is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Don't find something to disagree upon. It is amazing how this is so common and prevalent where people look for the one thing that we disagree upon and, and let's hash it out. Let's talk about all the things that we have in common. We worship the same Father. We're washed in the same blood. We're filled with the same Holy Spirit. We serve the same Lord. We read the same Word of God. There's so many things. We might disagree about something. Let's don't fight and argue. Instead, let's be in unity as the body of Christ. Any old fool can start a quarrel. That's what the Bible says. A fool. But if we're wise, you see, we learn how to walk together in unity. We learn how to get along. We learn how to be a peacemaker. That's another way that people use social media. They post stuff all the time just to stir people up. Titus 3, 9 and 10, he says, Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. No good's going to come from it. And here's a strong word. Warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. Don't hang out with people that are always trying to stir up trouble. Don't hang out with those people. They will drag you down. You see, Paul just knew how important it was for him to have unity. And there's, there's some people that just aren't happy if they're not in a big old conflict. Don't be one of those people and don't hang out with those people. Now, this area of our life, honestly, is too much for any of us in our own strength to handle. As James tells us, the tongue is an unruly evil that no man can tame. We can't do it on our own. But we're not doing it on our own. As a believer, we have the help of the Holy Spirit to convict us and show us where we're wrong, but also to strengthen us, to sanctify us, to help us to overcome and to do better. But I think a real key here is that the only way that we can really get our words right is we've got to get our heart right. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And a lot of the time, you see, the real issue is, is that we need to get things right in our heart first. And then we can begin to say the right kinds of things in our daily life. I want to share one of my favorite verses in the Scripture. It's Psalm 19 and 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I want everything that I say, the things that I think about in my heart, I want it to be pleasing to the Lord. Everything I say, I want it to be pleasing to the Lord. I want to tell you, sometimes I just got to learn to be quiet more. I don't know how God might be dealing with you this morning. But I just encourage you, let the Holy Spirit 
convict you. Let him show you what needs to change. Don't walk out of here the same as you came. Stand with me. We're going to pray. I'd like for our prayer partners to go ahead and come.